Okay, hi everyone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I did it. Go ahead. <laughs> hi everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We're two seemingly meaningless individuals <laughs> talk about mm. even more seemingly meaningless things. I'm Chris, and with me as always is Leslie. Leslie, and I'm scared. We are driving in the rain in a church van because that's what you do for fun. <laughs> now, we've been so trying to record an episode, even recording an episode, and then scrapping it. Oh, my goodness. After a long, a drawn-out whole thing, episode. A whole entire episode. It was so sad. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, so we thought, hey, we're driving, we're in the car, let's talk about things. Yes. Uh, this is what we would do anyway. As a couple is to talk, or I would encourage Leslie to read to me a book. I would encourage you to turn the windshield wipers on high. They're on exactly how fast (laughs) they need to go. Uh, Makes it an adventure when I can't see for a couple (laughs) seconds. It's so fun. So anyway, that's what we're doing. We're trying to uh, get back in the groove of things. We wanted to make sure that we could get something, take advantage of this time. Yeah, like what is up? What has happened to our life? We have had... I think the craziest four weeks uh-huh. in my life. Uh-huh. I and agree. nothing, I mean, in sense of normal crazy, because it hasn't been anything catastrophic. You know, it's right. not like something wild happened and we've been at the hospital no. or dealing with this or our house flooded or. No. It's just been stuff. Yeah, and it's been more than a month because, you know, the, yeah, the big freeze happened. True. When was that? I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know what month it is. What? Yeah, I mean. It's almost Easter. Yeah. We've had, we've gone through, we've weathered the greatest winter storm of our lifetime. Yeah. We've had a child turn 14. Wow. See, what's funny is you're telling me all these things. Uh-huh. I would not have remembered what had happened. <laughs> Could not tell we you. We did the abolish abortion rally. What? Yeah. Really? Uh huh. Wow. I can't remember what else. We had That's another a lot baby. Of stuff. No, we did not have another no, baby. That kidding. much I do know. <laughs> that did not. We happen. still just have six. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been like. But what's weird is I can't pinpoint why why our days have been so full. Just, well, part of it is the night times have been crazy because of Peter and Jack. Yeah. So it's a weird, we record at night, uh-huh. but nights, the last little bit, have been just, it's just been a weird sort of timing thing with them. Yeah, we've been true. getting We've been getting home late. And here's a phenomenon that a lot of people might identify with that I did not know to prepare for. Like, I didn't know this was coming. But we are, you and I, babe, me and you, we're Us. like, we're in two worlds at one time. So we've got, um, is burgeoning the right word? Depends on how you use it. Burgeoning teenagers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've got that whole world where, you know, they don't go to bed at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, we have, we're back in the infant and toddler stage. We so, definitely need to start going to bed. Yeah. You know, like so early. we you know, we put the, 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 the little guys to bed, but that doesn't mean the other kids are in bed. And there's just... Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. 
we're, we're not conducive, not conducing to voice recording our thoughts. No, no. or even having thoughts. Yeah, yes. I have no thoughts. <laughs> but that's what's so funny because it's not like we could do a podcast or we could watch a show. Yeah, or it's just like okay, no. the day is done. <laughs> Sleep. We're falling into bed at yeah. like eleven thirty. Yeah. Without watching TV. Without like, doing anything. We used yeah. to watch movies at night. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And like we would like binge watch different series and those days are gone, They're babe. Gone. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's just been pretty pretty busy but good. Yeah. Good stuff. Alright, so what you got going on? What's been going on in your life then? Are we dedicating? Let's dedicate. Okay, you go first. I dedicate this episode to... I don't really have a dedication yet. I was kind of pulling that one out of the air. Uh, it's hard because I'm driving in the rain. So I've, I've got to be like head on a swivel here. Yeah. Uh, and also think extemporaneously. Are you good? No, I'm not good. We like, should probably pull over. Do you want to keep doing this or... No? You want to yeah. keep going? I mean, okay. if I didn't want to do that. Okay, like just tell me. Get okay. Wink at me. I won't feel obligated to keep talking. Rub your nose. In the sprinkle. Rub your nose if you want me to hit yeah, stop. Yeah. Okay, I don't, so really, you don't I don't really have one either. That's how busy we are. Okay. I don't even know. We're not dedicating this to anybody. <laughs> You're not undedicated. I would dedicate... Okay, I'll <laughs> dedicate it to something. <laughs> We've just started a series on prayer. Oh, and I agree. Go ahead. We are praying in agreement. <laughs> We're two, We're two or, or three or two. Uh, <laughs> and it's been so it's been so good. This is this this series. Bragger Boaster for me has been like <laughs> what three years in the making. Yeah, it's that, been a while that we've been working on this, but it has been just a blast to do, mm-hmm. and so refreshing. To just even talk about what is prayer, mm. you know, the importance well, of prayer, I, those sorts it of It has to be exciting as a pastor to get immediate feedback. Like, oh, yeah. Because it, it, really, it really is changing people's lives, including mine. Um, this just, what, what I love is Chris told us to scrap everything we think we know about prayer. And it's so funny how much we've picked up through the years of what... Prayer is like a magnet for all sorts of bad baggage. <laughs> the problem the problem with prayer is in the Bible, prayer is just really simple. Yeah. But it, it takes on all from pietism to New Age spirituality. It, it's grabbed a lot of baggage mm-hmm. that is actually made prayer harder for people to do. Yeah. And it really, like, if you have, I mean, I don't know everyone listening, you know, so I'm not speaking for everyone, but if you have some issues with prayer, it could be that it's because someone taught you someone something about it. some unbiblical that backpack true. onto the back of prayer. Yeah. Right. So some of the things that you've preached on already have just... You know, when you have things cleared up and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not at odds with the Word of God. I was at odds with... Someone else's definition of what prayer yeah, should be. Yeah, Pastor, does, what's know, his name? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's just been super... Well, so, it's been encouraging getting the feedback, which, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Like if you have, you know, it's always... 
you know, it, it, it's that funny thing. It's fast. You never know. Right. Well, you might have fruit come up 30 years later. Yeah. Right? And you're not, you're not preaching Sunday morning for a Sunday afternoon fruit. Right. Right. You're preaching to shepherd. Yes. There will be people who think it was the worst sermon today uh-huh. that in 20 years will be bearing the fruit of that sermon. They didn't even realize, right. you know, they're like, why are we doing this? I already knew about prayer or whatever. Uh-huh. And you're just shaping that, you know. Uh, but it was just, it's just been so encouraging personally, just even, uh, just prayer and, and seeing the, the, the fruit of that in the lives of the church. Uh, and we're just getting started. Yeah. You it's know? just like on week three. It's only downhill from here now. <laughs> and I, so good. I would oh. say like, I, when I share this podcast on the medias, I'll try to link up to the prayer sermons to the YouTubes yeah because it's really helpful and um, one thing that I love is you pointed out that prayer is not prayer is the most what do you say feral 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 instinct of, yeah. of man yeah it's it's really interesting we were talking about why prayer was important and uh so we started out in Luke 11, and it's important. It's obviously important because the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So of all the things you could ask Jesus, you know, they don't ask him, you know, hey, teach us to do this or do that. They're like, hey, teach us to pray. But one of the things that, as I was saying, I was like, well, well, one of the things that's going to make it important is just we need to do it because we're commanded to. Why is prayer important? Well, it's important enough for God to command us to do it. But then as you start to look through Scripture, you actually find out God doesn't command us to pray. Now, you might be going, oh, what? I mean, he commands us, like, how to pray. He commands us how often to pray. He commands us, you know, the way that we pray, those sorts of things. But we're never just told to pray. Uh, and so I think the, the recognition is prayer is just so natural for all. And you go across cultures, you go across the globe. People everywhere on this globe cry out to God, right? Even if it's one of their false gods. Like, they recognize the importance of prayer. And we talked about how even in, you know, that old quip, there's no atheists in foxholes. And it's right, there aren't any atheists in foxholes. But you know what is in foxholes is prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is, I got that, that picture of someone curled up in a foxhole, and it is a feral response. Right. Like, I need help. I need help. What am I going to do? I'm going to pray. Right. And that prayer needs to be molded. It needs to be shaped. You need to be told who you're praying to, how to pray, how often to pray, those sorts of things. But man just naturally cries out to God. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, that that feral aspect of it. Yeah. And so then being taught how to do it is very important. Like you just said, we're just seeing the fruit of that. Like having a direction to, with which to, to yeah. put all of these yearnings and groanings that you have, um, it's just very helpful. So yeah, I too dedicate this episode to not just the series on prayer, but to prayer in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think about, I think about <laughs> prayer has really gotten a bad rap. So we were going through what does prayer mean in the Bible? What even, what is prayer? And it's, it's so simple. Prayer is just asking God to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's funny. You look at the Hebrew word for prayer. It's a word that means to ask. 
Yeah. You look at the Greek word for prayer, it's a word that means to bring your wish to somebody. Mm. But when I was taught about prayer, I was told to quit asking that I'm asking too much in prayer, right. which in the end really made me feel bad for praying because uh -huh. I kept wanting to ask God to do things. And in yeah. reality, they were trying to tell me that prayer is not praying. Right. The very word prayer itself comes from the Latin word that means to ask. Like so it. to say prayer <laughs> is to say to ask. Uh -huh. And so, and I know, I understand. I understand what people are trying to get across. Uh -huh. I understand that, you, you know, that... You think they're fighting against the prosperity I don't stuff know. Or you know, maybe a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, but what's funny in the Bible... God never tells us to quit asking. Mm -hmm. He might tell us that we're asking wrong, mm -hmm. and we're at, or we're asking for the wrong thing. Or we it, don't we don't understand what we're asking. Or, yes, but He never tells us to stop asking. And yet, I've had I've had lessons on prayer that were like, "Hey, you need to do less asking and more listening," yeah. which is not in the Bible at all. <laughs> And so I would try and have these moments where I just sort of sat and listened, which is, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, that we can get into with that. And what it's really doing is it was hindering me actually praying. Yeah. Which prayer is just that simple, asking God to do something. It's going to God and asking Him to do something. When it becomes that, that simple again, mm. just going to God, knowing that God isn't oh, yeah. telling you to stop asking. He's not tired of you. He wants you to ask. We want you to ask in faith. And part of the reason we don't ask is that we don't have faith. Mm -hmm. So going to God with all our requests and seeing him answer them mm -hmm. is amazing. The more you pray, the more, you're, the more you go to God and you ask him to do. Ask him to do something. When that happens, the more you're going to see God answer. And then the more you're going to be uh, just rejoicing in God's faithfulness. So pray. Pray more. Just ask God to do things. Yeah. Great things happen. Yeah. And it it kind of, it's had me thinking about the childlike faith that, that Jesus talks about. And I think growing up, I just always attributed the childlike faith to salvation. Like that you believe in Jesus, you know. Mm -hmm. But really, our whole Christian life is one of a child relying on our father mm -hmm. and yes. it's like with our kids you know they don't they really don't worry about where their food's going to come from it's really funny <laughs> because they don't worry enough <laughs> you know i mean you think about it like kids are absolutely trusting like they're gonna catch me i could jump up with yeah this. They're, they're so gonna, trusting so absolutely <laughs> sure that no ill shall befall them and we we are not omnipotent beings, right? Right, right. And yet they trust us, uh -huh. and yet here we have God, who yes. is all powerful mm -hmm. and who is all good, and yet we don't have that same childlike faith mm -hmm. to trust Him. Yeah, and it's just shown me that prayer is really me going to Him, my Father, and asking Him yeah. for what I need, what I want, what you know anything and mm -hmm. and then just trusting him to answer it, it all goes back to that you know god being good and in control that sort of idea of who god is if it, as to why we should 
why we should pray. If God loves us, then there's no reason we shouldn't come to Him, the only one who can do anything, and and ask Him to do things. Ask Him to help us with this. Ask Him to do that. And if He's all-powerful, we know that He can. Why would we turn to anybody else? Why? Because if we don't pray, it's normally because we think we've got it handled. Uh, or we think we're the answer, and it's so foolish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, having that childlike faith, which is another, I mean, we talked about uh, in our Bible study, that childlike faith is something that uh, Christians need to have more, you know, we talked about parenting with confidence before, mm-hmm. but it was that, the there was, a, there was one word in Colossians that, Real, not to segue out of prayer. Did you have more you want to say no, about prayer? No, no, Not to segue out of prayer, but it was this father-son relationship. Uh, so Paul's talking Colossians chapter 3. It's this spiral from uh, husbands and wives, then children and parents, and then slaves and, and, and masters, all this. Uh, and it... it it's one word there at the beginning uh, of Colossians 3, probably 20, either 20 or 21, I think it's 20. Uh, and it says, children, uh, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it's that word, children. I think that so many people have missed. That one word packs a lot that the modern church can learn from, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. One is the fact that the Bible was written to children. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a children's Bible. Or a children's section. Or a children's section of the Bible. <laughs> the Bible was written, Colossians was written for children to hear and obey. Just as much as Just as written. much as, it's not like, all right, now go get the kids. Yeah. Or So it is right in the midst of the book of Colossians. It does the same thing in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6. Same thing. Children uh, are your parents. Uh, or obey your parents. Uh, car pulling out in front of us. Um, <laughs> it's fine. So, so in both of those instances, the, so one thing we learned, the Bible is written to children. You don't have to dumb it down. Right. If you give your children the Bible, like Colossians, Colossians is written for kids to understand what's in there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think it teaches us, I think it teaches a lot of things. One, it's written for children. The Bible is written for children. They don't need a children's Bible. The Bible is written for children. Mm-hmm. Two, the Bible expects children to be in there with the parents. Mm-hmm. So when Paul is writing Colossians, he's expecting that the children of the believers are in there with the parents when the letter is read. Mm-hmm. He's because ex- they're not all taking their version, their copy of Colossians home. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to get. Now let's all get a copy of what Paul wrote and take it home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sitting and listening to the letter, mm-hmm. and then they go home. Right. Right. So, so there's an expectation that there are children sitting and listening to to this letter as it is being read. Mm-hmm. Not something parents go and tell your children this. So just another encouragement. To have children in worship with the parents, the Bible expects it. It's the mm-hmm. expectation mm-hmm. of the Bible that the why because the Bible is written as that's one of the reasons people take children out is they think children can't understand it. Right. But here, if you just take that, if you just take the Bible at what it says, the Bible Paul is expecting 
for the children to be in there and for the children to be able to understand. Mm-hmm. So he writes to them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think is useful for us as, as Christian parents is he expects them to understand and he expects them to want to obey. Mm-hmm. So he says, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Paul's motivation to these kids is assuming that they have a desire to please the Lord. Right. Which is assuming that these kids of believers have also been converted. Mm -hmm. That the faithful... So in other words, Paul is having confidence that when Christian parents are leading their children, (laughs) raising them up, as he's going to say in Colossians, in the uh, discipline and instruction of the Lord that there is fruit that comes from that. And I, as I was growing up, there was almost, and, and, and I don't know if it's an overcorrection to something, uh, maybe to, you know, the infant baptism of Roman Catholics or whatever. I don't know, but it's almost as if your children are really just a crapshoot. Right. You might, some of your kids might be believers, some of your kids might not. You don't really know. It's gonna. But if you think about it, how can Paul assume that these children are gonna be believers? Well, one, just logically. I mean, where is God going to put the people that He's gonna bring to faith? Mm-hmm. He's gonna put them in the homes of people who will share the gospel with them. Right. He's gonna put them in the homes of believers. That's why he can say in First uh, Corinthians chapter seven that the children are made holy because of the parents. Mm-hmm. So there's that there's that regular if, if if the gospel is being brought they and, and think about even this is assumed in like uh, instructions for who to appoint as a pastor. Mm-hmm. What does it say? How do you know if a man can be a pastor? Well, are his children believers? Right. And if are they believers and not guilty to the charges of debauchery and insubordination? That's that's assuming there that this guy, this guy as a pastor, he shows whether or not he can be a pastor by whether or not he's led his household well. Well, how do you know if he's led his household well? Are his kids believers? Right. If it's just a crapshoot, that verse would never be in there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hold a guy responsible to whether or not his children are believers right. if, if there was nothing he could do about it. Mm-hmm. But instead it says, if his kids aren't believers... If they're being debauched and they're being insubordinate, that shows that he can't lead the church because he's not leading his home. Mm-hmm. Now, pastors have skipped that verse a lot. Why? Right. To the point that we've got this old adage of preacher's kids. Right. Right. And maybe that's the reason pastors have sort of pushed on the, well, you just, you know, you just don't, you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because they realized if we went, no, you can know. I could lose my and job. Since, yeah, you should probably not be a pastor because your kids... Your kids are, uh, you obviously haven't been leading your home well. Mm -hmm. Some of that is because churches have encouraged pastors not to lead their home well. There's all sorts of stuff about pastoral ministry we could get into and and various problems with that. But the point is, if you're a Christian parent listening to this, your children are not a Mm -hmm. (laughs) crapshoot. You can have confidence when you're, the the same God that said that he, you know, that he brings judgment to the third and fourth generation says that he brings mercy to the thousandth generation. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to, to, to not parent from a place of doubt, mm-hmm. but instead to have the same confidence that Paul did when he wrote children. 
Right. Something simple as that. Children is is I think that word just in itself can teach the Christian church so much and Christian parents so much about how to view their kids. It can be a real encouragement. It, it is so encouraging because it is it is scary because you're looking. Normally, we're looking at today and how we feel about how we're performing. Like, you know, there are a lot of days you don't feel like you're doing a great job. Like, you're not seeing this, like, you're not, like, having altar calls at every night yeah. with the family. And they're not, you're, you're reading the Bible and they don't seem to be, like, listening. They're not having many great awakenings. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, when we're, when we just have our eyes on today and not on the promise and not on the harvest, it, it's easy to operate from a place of fear and doubt. Well, it's like, it's like when you sharpen a, a knife or you sharpen a sword or in this case, an arrow, mm-hmm. when you're sharpening an arrow, you don't look at a dull arrow, make one pass and then right. go sharp. Right. I mean, it is a constant hewing and hewing imagine? and hewing. And the next thing you know, it is a sharp arrow. You let it fly and you go, wow, that's sharp. Yeah. And that's what the Christian parenting is. Right. It is a, it is a daily sharpening, a whittling, a wedding stone of the word every day to where when you release it, that arrow is going to be sharp. Yeah. And it is, it's, I think it's, I was laughing earlier, just listening to what Paul said compared to what you might hear a parent say in like your everyday evangelical household would be like, I I want you to be able to obey, but you're not going to be able to because your heart is still dead. And you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, imagine Paul had said that. Children, <laughs> obey your parents in the Lord. But uh, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But you don't care about pleasing the Lord because uh-huh. you're all dead in your sin. Right. And so, I so mean. So you they, can't obey. So like, you can't. And, so. and that's the way a lot yeah. of parents talk to their kids about their faith. Yeah. Which is just not a way that you see in Scripture talking to children right. about faith. And that's all That's all I'm saying is that you see in Scripture a lot of parents, you know, we ex- what do we do? We try to explain away passages like train your children up in the ways they should go. And even when they're old, they will not depart from it. The instant we say that, what yeah. do we say? But, well, but, but no, yeah. it doesn't mean all kids. Right. We don't ever bask in that great promise. Mm-hmm. And there are multiple promises like that. We don't bask in those promises. We immediately try to explain them away. And I say, believe the promise. Uh-huh. That promise is in there, not the obfuscation. The, yeah. uh, the, the next verse after that isn't, well, but we all know I'm not talking about all of them. Am I right? right. Uh, you, you don't get that. And the, we add that from anecdotal evidence, not biblical evidence, right. anecdotal. We say, well, this was a good person, and his kids ended up like this, or we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say, we take the Bible for what it says, mm-hmm. and it is very confident in our parenting. Mm-hmm. And we should be too. I, and I, the reason I say this is I've seen the detriment of parents who are so doubtful mm-hmm. that even when their kids want to obey, mm-hmm. they won't let them. So, for example, as parents, we're almost different. So Paul comes to the children and says, children, obey them in everything. Right. Confident. Uh, that's a that's a that's a big swing of the sword, right? Mm-hmm. Not children. Let's start start your prayers. Mm-hmm. Or child, I mean, like obey your parents in everything. Mm-hmm. But we're almost afraid as parents to even tell them what the Bible says to do. Because mm-hmm. we're afraid they're going to want to, and then we're not sure if they'll really mean it or not. <laughs> and so, like, I, I know times where parents, even myself, have been like, 
do I tell my kids that Jesus said, repent and be baptized? Because what if they say, okay, I want to do that. And I have to be like, I don't think you but really are you do. are you doing it because your friend did Yeah, are you it? doing it because your friend did? Uh, so, so there's that. We then, we then sow all this doubt into their obedience. When Jesus says, you need faith-like obedience of a child, every time the child has that childlike faith, we squash it. Right. Yeah. Jesus says, have childlike faith. Our children have that childlike faith. And we throw doubt on it. Right. We squash it out. That's sad. Well, we're going to talk about that uh, next Thursday. You're making me sad, uh, babe. But that's what we do. It is. And that's, that's so I think that's part of the problem mm-hmm. that you have with Christian kids mm-hmm. is we treat them as outsiders mm-hmm. instead of souls that the Lord has given us to lead to Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyway... I would just say, I mean, just even one word. You're like, man, that's why your sermons take so long. One word. <laughs> children. Uh, and just word children. But that's a pretty important word. I mean, you go, because if you go in a lot of modern evangelical churches, we have problems with what to do with children. Oh, totally. And a lot of times, they're not even in there to begin with. Right. Right? Right. So, uh, anyway, that's Which a total aside. my favorite thing about, like, the pandemic. People are like, well, how do, what do I do with my kids in church? I remember just watching churches online, like. When they went back into in-person services, being like, uh, yeah, because they couldn't have nursery. How do we, or, how uh, do, we do this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, just that confidence. I would encourage you just have confidence. And if you haven't, and you have been parenting from doubt, just start giving your kids the commands of Scripture. Yeah. Either they're going to not want to obey well, them. It has to. Can you imagine how confusing that yeah. would be to be like, this is how you're supposed to live, but you can't. You, because you're dead, your heart well, is Well, I mean, dead. And think about it. You know what we end up creating in them? A works-based faith. Yeah. I believe. Prove it to me. Right. I want you to do, if you do these things, uh-huh. then you can get baptized. Yeah. And then you can, then I'll believe your repentance. You, but you have to do these things, then you can obey. Mm-hmm. And and it ends up creating this, I have to do these works mm-hmm. to show my belief. Yeah, and, and you were saying earlier, you didn't know if it was an overcorrection to like the infant baptism of the Catholic church and all that. Um, I think one of the, the leading contributors to this sort of mentality is kids who became Christians in our era, got baptized and then kind of jumped into church life, but without discipleship. Yeah. So that's what people go. Well, I know someone who got baptized and they didn't know what their baptism was about. And they right. just the problem wasn't the baptism. No, the problem was everything after it was the baptism. The Fifteen years afterwards. Yes. yes. Of... And so we scrap the baptism, which is the obedience part. Uh-huh. So we get rid of their obedience instead of dealing with our disobedience. Right. Which is a lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to say, let's get rid of their obedience instead of dealing with the church's disobedience in terms of discipleship. Right. And so a lot of a lot of our our peers arrived at adulthood not really knowing what they believed and it wasn't because they got saved or and baptized at an early age it was because they just hadn't been taught no one after. taught them theology yeah. and and so then they look back and say i don't think i, I really don't think understood. i really understood and then what do i say to them every time who does yeah okay in 10 years you're gonna look back at your faith today and yeah. say i didn't get it yeah because the more you grow in your knowledge of the gospel the more you're going to look back at your old self mm-hmm. and think, what a baby. Yeah. What, how, I mean, I can look back, look back at your life pre 2020. Right. So much. how much have you learned in a year? 
Are we all going to go get rebaptized now? Because I think we all are understanding our salvation a little bit better after that year. And we're like, did we understand the world at all? I'll be honest. Uh, I've considered getting baptized like... 20 times in my so, life so I'm I t- like I think I get I don't think I understood it before you know so I tell people they ask me so should I baptize my kids they say if they want to yes should I should I get rebaptized? no like th- it's right. not about the con- it's about the obedience not about the content mm-hmm. of the knowledge because I mean if you want to flesh that out what are you going to do walk them through the entire Westminster shorter conf- I mean and and make sure that they grasp all the things that 95% of your church members today yeah. wouldn't be able to grasp because you're growing these things naturally. It's a catechesis process. You don't get baptized at the end of catechism. Uh, so, yeah, I would just encourage parents just to have more confidence as they're parenting that the Lord has not just willy-nilly, like, rolled, you know, billions of dice and you just happen to get these six in your home. Right. Right? Like, the Lord is a faithful shepherd of all of his sheep, including mm-hmm. the newborn sheep. Right. He puts them in faithful yeah. folds. And, man, I tell you, I've, I've, I have times of doubt. You know that. And I doubt your salvation a lot. <laughs> no, about, about our kids. And it, it's, a, it's a weighty thing to have souls in your care and in your home. Yeah, you're always wondering, am I doing the best? Yeah. Where should they be at at this point? And And you're dealing with different personalities. Right. You're dealing with boys versus girls. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all so, so, uh, it is weighty, Mm -hmm. which is why the burden is not on you. you. It's the faithfulness is yours. Mm -hmm. Like, you be faithful, Mm -hmm. and you'll see God be faithful. Right. Like, and just trusting him. Uh, trusting him in that. Yeah. So. So encouraging. And I hope. Thank you. I wanted it to be encouraging. These are the things that can change your life. Like these little truths. And can, and I would say can change your kids' lives. I mean. Totally. Your kids, it can help you to rejoice in what you see in your kids. And also it can help you to keep from scarring your kids. Right. By by really not letting them obey the Lord when he during, first pricks their heart to obey. During obedience. the most beautiful, precious season of During the time we're all supposed to get back to. I know. <laughs> it's like that's where we're supposed to be in our faith. Yes. But and we, we never let them have that. Thing. No. And that's that's tragic. So we're now all going to weep. <laughs> So we are nearing, we're on a, I don't know if we even said what we're doing right now. We're on a furniture excursion. Yeah. We're, we're going to one city to pick up a chair. There's a man in the road. There's a man in the road. It's raining and there's a man in the road. I can't see because of Welcome the windshield oh, no, no, hey, hey, Lay off the windshield. Oh my please. word. It's like, is it like a. Is it manly to see how? I don't even have my contacts. How well in. you can drive with water on the windshield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but we yeah. are almost getting to our destination, so we should probably go ahead and press pause. Press we'll, pause. we'll be back to tell you if I like the chair. All right, we're back with a chair. With a chair. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It is pretty cute. <laughs> so Leslie thought I was less than enthused about the chair. Well, I, I guess it is a little feminine, but 
has the fabric a, on it is great. Yeah, it has a cute it's little. A, it's a feminine fabric. Floral though. print. Yeah. But now we're on our way to view a living room set um, in another part of Tulsa. And it's still raining, which is not my favorite. Can we turn the windshield wipers on? Yeah. And maybe go 30, you know, okay. 35. Anyway. It's great to have a living example of a continual <laughs> dripping of rain. <laughs> I'm confident in, in parenting and in driving. Yes. Maybe slow down. <laughs> Well, so what do you want to talk about now? Well. I had it. I mean, I gave two things. I had prayer and I had children. I have something to talk about. What? I want to talk about women teachers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. No, I really do. I want to talk about from where, from whence, from where. We should be gleaning our, our Bible knowledge and our our study of the Word. Um, just something I've noticed recently. Uh, just kind of observing activity on social media. Um, especially concerning, like, anyone who may have recently left the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but what I notice a lot uh, in the comment sections of prominent female Bible teachers is women in droves really are thanking them for teaching them to love the word, teaching them how to study the word. Like I, I didn't know how to study my Bible until I met you. Your studies brought the Bible to life for me. Um, and it's just one right after another and what I was noticing in the comments was never a woman saying, you know what? You helped me love my, my husband and children more. Like you were the Titus II woman that taught me to be a worker at home, that taught me how to, you know, All right, submit. so you told, you told me this the other day. Yeah. And I thought this was the biggest truth bomb <laughs> It had been dropped on the, I was like, it was like this nuclear explosion went off in my head. And I was like, that's exactly what everyone needs to hear. Because these, these female Bible teachers will just say they're just doing Titus 2. Right? Right, right, right. And right. we'll talk about how that's not a good translation of the Greek word. Anyway, that's a whole nother subject. But if they were genuinely doing Titus 2, you know what they'd be doing? They would, the people listening to them would be encouraged to work at home. Right. They'd be encouraged to love their husbands, to love their children. Uh -huh. That would be the pri primary thing right. that these women uh -huh. were getting. So I would say a, a, a couple of things about the the, the teaching. With the, ooh, that is a that is a turned over ambulance. Oh, dear. that's random. That's not good. So anyway, uh, now I'm not nervous. Yeah, now now we're really now I'm turning the windshield wipers on. I think that's a great point. Is that these women that are falling under Titus two, if they're falling under Titus two and truly doing Titus two, uh -huh. 
will be teaching women not how to study their Bibles, uh-huh. not how to do. It'll be it'll be teaching women about how to work at home. Right. And again, I think that Greek word is not so much sitting down and having Bible studies. Exactly. It is it is being the example uh-huh. of it is it is being a good example. And of how these are things. they the a example? A good teacher. It is a. It is not a. So the. The, the problem in a lot of our translations is it makes it look like they are sitting down and having classes. They are teaching this good thing. Mm-hmm. And the reality is what it's actually, I think, really pointing to is that you're modeling these things. You are a good example. You're a good teacher. Yeah. It's just one word, a good teacher. Yeah. You're, you're, you're showing these things to these younger ladies in your life, not not pulling it out and having some secondary study, uh-huh. you know, where the wives have to leave their husbands leave and leave their homes every week and, and come and, and study and and so I mean, it just, it just and it all just gets all thrown on gobbledygook. It does, um, and then it becomes an industry, like it just perpetuates into yeah. this ginormous thing that now we're just trying to deal with. Now, let me get to the other side of that equation. Okay. Which is that this is also just as we know, godly or or women rulers are a judgment on the men. Uh Like Deborah. Yeah. On the absence of the men in leading, Beth Moore is ultimately a judgment on men, not like the idea well, that yeah. A woman could say, Beth Moore taught these women how to read their Bibles. And I think they're probably right. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably... Now, she might have taught them to read it in some bad ways. But they're probably correct in that their husbands were not doing those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, men need to make sure that they are the ones teaching ladies the things that they're saying they found from Beth Moore mm-hmm. their their husbands should have been teaching them long ago should have been showing them how to do these things mm-hmm. should have been showing them again maybe not through all right now what you're going to do honey is you're going to open your bible now right. let's get a notebook right no it's because, and and reading. women need to understand some of the reason they love Beth Moore is cuz she's a feminine example of that right and so the femininity of it might be more attractive than your husband who's like i just get up at Five and I read and then I pray. Uh, and you're like, well, well, do you do you use any fancy highlighter colors? Uh, you know, how many pens do you use? Do you have a notebook? Yeah, you know, it's all this stuff. Uh, so I think there is, a, a, of course, a failure uh, of the men to you know to, to do what they needed to be doing. Uh, and so there's 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 obviously some of that going on as well. Right. But yeah. Back to women, women Bible study teachers. Yeah, I just think we need to, like you did with prayer, I think we need to throw everything we think we know out about Titus 2. Yeah. Because I think a lot of us, exactly what you said, we grew up thinking, okay, if I want to to be a Titus 2 woman, I need to have a group of younger women come in and I'm going to teach them um, and... And really, you know, the most impactful women on my life who have taught me to do it, what Titus 2 says they're supposed to teach me to do have been my mom and have been uh, some of my, these friends in Idaho that we've, we've made that they have taught me by doing and they've led me by. And of course there is, 
vocal instruction yes. in that, right? And it you comes just, from the word. Like, you don't just stare at the person as you do it. <laughs> right. You know, going, mm-hmm. No. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, See what I'm doing? It's been in recipe swapping. And, and even, I I think we we do not um, appreciate the pow how powerful it is, like the leadership of, of, le of doing something. So... So I've seen this happen. Like someone uh, decides they want to, to have a lot of people over from the church to make food for them. And it's amazing how this spreads through the church and how it spreads even now because of social media across the nation. Like um, I've seen it even like Rachel Jankovic with bread making. You just oh. see like women all over the place now. And, and all I know is is what I've seen with women Bible studies too. Uh -huh. uh, and you see this with men. You see this. With, they tend to get a little poachy. Yeah. So like you you tend you tend to get is your church not having a women's Bible study? <laughs> right. You know. And then it's like, well, their church shouldn't be. You know, if you've got a church that is going, I don't think we should have women's Bible studies. Uh -huh. Then you've got these women Bible studies like, oh, is your church not preparing you by doing <laughs> by sort of semi-teasing women with teaching roles. Yeah. Uh, and, and so then these ladies are going, is that what I need? Right. Is that what I need? This church has it over here. I'll go over there. Uh -huh. And then they create this outside of the body relationships. Oh, man. That that are taking them away from I their know. home and, I, and away from their kids and away from their church body. I want the women, I want the women to hear me on this. Like, you do not need a female pastor leading the women of your church. Yes. God has appointed men to be your shepherds. And you go to church Sunday morning and you prayerfully listen Everything to Everything you need takes <laughs> yeah. place on Sunday morning. Yes. With uh, devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayers. Mm -hmm. That's all that you will need Yeah. for the entirety of your life. Did you just call yourself an apostle? If you go and do that, then you've got all the bread, mm -hmm. all the shepherding that you need, and what do I need to do, and how to, the rest of it is ancillary. It is just adding, uh, adding right. to it. And again, we're not saying you can't learn something from a woman, like, but definitely, I'm sure if you're listening, you can see the difference between the the women's ministry industry. Yes. Uh, you know, surely that's There's scary. a reason that it is very rare for it to be healthy. Judge the tree by its fruit. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people calling Titus too, and not a lot of that that ends up causing people to love their homes, to mm -hmm. love their husbands, to be harder workers at home. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fruit has been a lot of women that, that go, you know what, I think I found a new calling. Right. Uh, and you can say, well, your desire might have been to be Titus too, but that's not the fruit. Right. So maybe go back and look and say, maybe I'm not doing what Titus two is actually telling me to do. Yeah. And I just want to encourage, encourage you. Like it, it doesn't seem possible that it would be more effective for well, you to stay home and, and be a hard worker. Like if you're looking, yes. if you're at a fork. Oh my goodness, that is so true. If you're at a fork in the road and you're looking, okay, I could teach a study to 10 women or I could get really good at cleaning my house and cooking this meal. It really looks like it's going to be way more effective 
to do the Bible study. But I'm here to tell you, if you, if you lay your life down and commit your, your work at home to the Lord and commit to get good at it, to become like a hard worker. To the little women that he has put in your home. Yes. And to the little men that will one day marry little women that he has put in. I mean, those sorts of things. That's what the Lord himself has given you. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's just another area of, of the Christian life where you see. Let's go back and let, let's go. It's, it works. Let's go back and do what we did with the, with the word children. Let's look at the examples of scripture. What instructions do we have for women Bible, you know, about how to do women's Bible studies? What instructions do we have about how to do, I mean, let's say even men's Bible studies. Mm -hmm. It is all the entire assumption of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Really the Old Testament too. The entire assumption is that everybody is there together. Right. And there's no instructions on how to do segmented things. There's no instructions on how to do these various sorts of activities. Mm. It is all about life in the body. And when it does instruct, when it does talk to men about how to talk to other men, it's, hey, tell them to be Mm self-controlled. That's not, that's not a teach a, hey men, you need to teach a self-controlled Bible study. (laughs) It's no, when you see young men, you encourage them, hey, you, be (laughs) self-controlled. Right. I mean, that's what's going on with men in Titus. Yeah. No men are taking Titus 2 and saying, we need to have more men's Bible studies where I teach other men to be self-controlled. You actually see those opportunities. I mean, how many times have you seen a younger man where you go, oh, he needs, you know, if he's talking about his his kids or his wife, where you can speak into his life. No. And and right there in that moment. Yes. That's the problem. What you do is you see that moment. And instead of speaking into that moment, like you see a woman who is naggy about her husband to other women. Right. Instead of you telling her in that moment, uh-huh. love your husband. Right. You go, well, we better do a marriage Bible study. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. You had the moment. Right. And you missed it because you thought the answer was, let's do a Bible study. I bet I better do a woman's Bible study. Like, no, you needed to in that moment say, Love your kids, love your husband, go home and get to work. Yeah. Quit, you know, whatever. That was your Titus 2 moment. Right. And that's what, like if a, if a man saw another man not being self-controlled, the, 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 the answer wouldn't be, I need to teach a Bible study on self-control, although there are great books on that, right? J.C. Ryle's got great books on thoughts for young men. It, it would, it's not go and do that. Uh-huh. It's tell that tell that young man, hey, you need to be self-controlled. Right. That's what needs to happen. Yep. That's so good, Leslie. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I I didn't know when we started. I was just going to throw that out there. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you I threw it up there. It, that definitely stuck to the wall. I hope it's helpful. Um, it's been helpful in I my mean, life. I mean, that was the most nuclear Beth Moore <laughs> advice I've heard from anybody. I wouldn't even share it. Like, it's so good. I didn't even share it on Facebook because you need to be able to share that and get all no, of I don't, credit. I don't know if I want to go there on the social media. No, then I get it. I lay claim to it. Okay, I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. We'll see. <laughs> now, this guy doesn't understand the difference between yield and stop. Oh, man. Oh, man. He's yeah. done got himself in trouble, and now I'm in trouble. You can hear the cars zipping by us. You know, whoa. Jeepers Louise. Let me give that guy a good wave. Someone was very kind to let us in. 
You guys know what I like to be in my small town. Let's be homebodies. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up with a Jello salad, and I have one for oh, you. Oh, do you really? Yeah. So I was talking to some friends today. We were talking about the abysmal fashions right now and trying to figure out what is happening. And I said, actually, what we're seeing is just proof of what's going on in the world right now, that everyone is shook and they don't know how to deal. They don't know who they are anymore. And so the fashion is just like a, it's just a mess. It's like the fashion doesn't even know what it is. Um, <laughs> so then we were just talking about all the different trends uh, throughout the ages and uh, the, uh, the one of the things about having a, the color that you would declare on your like wedding registry. So, you know, if a, if a bride chose like a red pots and pans or a, a red KitchenAid, that was her color. And so people would know, oh, I'll get those kinds of colors for her kitchen because that's her kitchen that's color. Her color. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of them said she blew people's minds by having four different colors of towels picked out for her registry. Like, what? Pick a lane. Like, what's your color? But it reminded me of, um, my my mom I was like you know when they were in those years the 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 trend wasn't a color it was a theme so like my oh mom my goodness my mom had apples her theme was apples yes. <laughs> apples that she, was her whole theme of her, her kitchen she had is this why you would do the theme <laughs> birthday parties for me no she used to buy me gifts based on <laughs> themes <laughs> And I would tell it. Remember what I tell you my theme was? Uh, my Things, wish list. My wish list. That's my theme. You want to know a theme? <laughs> Things I want. Do that. That's my theme. I did a... Nautical? I did, no, I didn't. Oh, you, I wanted your you, office my to office. be nautical. You, you bought some things. No. I don't know no, if I no. bought them. I might have had like a ship, like a picture of a yes. ship. I wanted him to have a nautical office, which now makes me laugh. I was young. I had just seen offices in like... Uh, decorating magazines. 1950s movies? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I was going to get you a captain's wheel. That's funny. To put on the wall. Yeah. Anyway, but I wasn't ever going to get you like dogs in, in suits. Yeah. yeah. I saw a lot of those too. Um, yeah, so she had like an apple-shaped cookie jar. Uh-huh. And apple, just all kinds of apple things. And I was just wondering, like, did you... And it made me think of all of the women that she was friends with that had themed kitchens. Did your mom have a themed kitchen? My mom died, Leslie. This is a tender Christopher, subject. Christopher, that is not... Here, do you want to bring back up my mom's theme? Stop! Themes? <laughs> wow. No, really. Uh, do you remember? I don't know. I didn't know when I was a boy to think about the themes of my mother's kitchen. Well, we were talking about how the themes often led to a border wallpaper... I know you had some bordered wallpaper in your house, like in your bathroom. Man, I don't know. It was like teddy bears or something? Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles? Yeah, in our bathroom. Do you remember, like, you would have the wallpaper. And then the border. And then the border was more like yeah. fanciful. Man, I am striking out on your surprise jello salad. I know nothing you about You know nothing the about themed kitchen? Of my mom's kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, because that would have been... 
What were the deck? Do you, do you remember like the furniture of that time or anything? Do not. One of my mom's friends had pigs in her kitchen, and pigs. and my aunt B I think had cows. Wow. Like I remember it so well. And then there would come a point where you're like, you know what? I don't really like apples. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be funny. But the question is, would you have liked apples if they weren't the theme? I don't know. You know, like, what Are is you your so favorite food? But if you apples. had to eat your favorite food for your entire life, would you eventually just hate it? Can you imagine, like, imagine if I were like, you know what, babe? I'm going to do our kitchen in pumpkins. Like, people just don't do that anymore. No. And it's just a funny little thing. Um, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. What was, I so might that pick was a theme. I might pick a new theme. For don't pick a theme. Don't I am. Pick a theme. I'll pick a theme. So if you want to send um, your themes to yeah, ask the I'd podcast, love to hear about that. Uh, I'd love to hear some of your themes. We've got <laughs> some of your messages that we'll be using to uh, craft some upcoming episodes. Yes, uh, and I do want to say, coming up next on the podcast is a big. A big fun announcement. A big fun announcement. Our next episode, we're going to share some Something. fun things yeah, that are coming yeah, up. Yeah, so, don't make the announcement now. I'm not. That's all I'm saying. So stay tuned for that, and we'll try to get to it sooner than two months. Yes, we'll do our road. best. All right. Well, I think we're pulling up to our next furniture destination. So thank you for traveling with us in the rain. And we didn't die. So far, we still have to go home, so pray for our oh, children. Now there are children in the road. What? And they're going back. They're back, back. What is going on? It's a very weird day. Oh, there they go. Now they're, they're going. Oh, she's, she's like, hurry, sweetie. What a great day to go hurry. for a bike ride. <laughs> That's funny. All right. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next time. Talk to you later.